We're talking running, and you're listening to the Running Around Charlotte podcast presented by the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon, the Queen City's premier road race experience. With one day, five events, and a race day distance for every goal and pace. Find out more at runcharlotte.com. Now, here are your hosts for the Running Around Charlotte podcast, Tim Rhodes and DC Lucchese. Hopefully we've all gotten off to a good start with our New Year's resolutions, right? The top resolutions most of us know have to do with diet and exercise. But for runners, there's even better news. If you're trying to burn fat, running is the best exercise because runners burn more calories per minute than any other sport like swimming or riding a bike. As a result, dedicated runners are leaner than most other athletes. Congrats to you if you decided to lose weight this year with running. We thought we'd help out. Our guest on Running Around Charlotte today is Dr. Karen Shukla, a family and sports medicine physician at Navant Health, Randolph Family Medicine. He's a great resource for us about the science behind running and our continued good health. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Shukla. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. And DC Lucchese, welcome. Oh, great to be here, guys. Great to be here. Well, let's get right down to it. Besides just putting on a great sport for our overall, let's get right down to it. Besides just being a great sport for our overall health, why is running such a good way to lose weight, doctor? Sure. Uh, well, the most recent American College of Sports Medicine position statement, you know, really encourages that people looking to lose weight and to prevent weight regain have to be engaging in moderate to intensive aerobic activity, 200 to 300 minutes a week. And running is the perfect exercise that can activate your core, your musculoskeletal system. Um, it can help accelerate your heart rate to get to the target fat burning zones. Um, it helps, um, people lose and maintain their weight loss more effectively than most other forms of aerobic activity. Well, that's good news all the way around, right? So, <laughs> and, and as I always like to joke, it's like, you know what? Slow, slow miles is better than no miles, right? So you don't have to be, you know, running a four minute mile to get the benefits of running, right? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, taking it slow for those people who have not been engaging in routine exercise over the winter months uh, is certainly better than no mileage at all. And for people who've spent a considerable amount of time uh, in a relatively physically inactive state, uh, engaging in even short bouts of running, combination run walking can help uh, restart the metabolic processes, help engage your musculoskeletal systems, um, help adapt your heart and your lungs to the rigors of engaging in a daily or weekly running routine. And when you said uh, 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 an inactive state, I automatically thought North Carolina, but Tim said I was wrong about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, this is a great state to be for uh, most active individuals, <laughs> uh, certainly uh, without all the outdoor trails that we have to run, uh, as well as um, all of the just uh, great sites to see. Uh, a lot of things to do outdoors. 
to keep you busy during the winter months and and certainly beyond. Well, let, let's break it down a little bit. Um, a, a lot of people that I talk to that begin a running program think that running is going out the door, running as fast as they can for as long as they can, and they don't enjoy it. And what I've told people is there, there's really a, a, a heart rate uh, effort-based uh, theory to think about when you run. And that is faster isn't better. In fact, slower is a little better because if, you're, if your heart rate and we can talk about how to figure that in just a second. But if your heart rate is in that 60 to 70% zone, isn't that the optimal zone in which you burn your calories? It certainly is. And uh, a good way to determine what your 60 to 70% zone would be is um, uh, there's a rudimentary calculation that is 220 minus your age is considered what your maximal heart rate should be. And so for your average 40-year-old uh, individual, 180 beats per minute would be their maximal heart rate. And then you take 60 to 70% of that, and that's what your target heart rate should be uh, for engaging in moderate to intense aerobic activity. And it doesn't have to be continuous activity in terms of uh, engaging and running, uh, especially when you're starting out. I would certainly encourage uh, persons who are just starting to get back or reestablish uh, exercise routine to engage in a combination of uh, walking first. And you want to make sure you can walk a good 45, 50 minutes pain-free uh, without any trouble uh, and then progress to a run-walk combination uh, and then engage in, in um, kind of your uh, targeted running uh, uh, goals. Uh, for people who are a little bit more experienced with uh, running, but who've just taken some time off, generally, I encourage them to start at, at about 50% uh, intensity uh, or 50% um, uh, uh, mileage as to what they're compared to uh, used to running and then progress uh, generally as, as tolerated, you know, with uh, uh, good ears and eyes on your body and how it's responding to the, the uptake in, in exercise. Yeah, and, and so what you were talking about, I think, is called the Kervonian uh, formula, not to be confused with the Kevorkian. That's formula. a totally different formula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the Kervonian, Kervonian is 220 minus your age, but that gets you the max heart rate. There, don't you also consider the min minimum heart rate, which, which is really your resting heart rate? Um, what I like to say is, get up in the morning, go to the bathroom, and then go sit in your recliner and <clears throat> take your heart rate after a minute or so of sitting in your recliner. For most people, it's in the 60 beats per minute zip code. And as you get older, maybe at my, at my age, I'm in my 50s, maybe it's down to 50 beats a minute. But And, and if you're younger, maybe it's a little more than 60. But so let's say you're Max heart rate is uh, making up a number 200, uh, well, 180 is what you said. Wouldn't you subtract out the minimum heart rate to find that, to find that 
optimal zone. Of sure. I mean, your, your resting heart rate generally is anywhere between 60 and 100 beats per minute for most average uh, individuals. And the more conditioned you are in uh, cardiovascular terms, uh, the more likely you are to have a lower resting heart rate. And Correct. again, like you expressed, the best time to appreciate mm -hmm. your resting heart rate is in the most calm uh, time usually early in the morning before you've had any stressors uh, that can accelerate your heart rate. And certainly after something like voiding um, and before drinking your morning coffee uh, so that you can get an appreciation of uh, what your heart rate is at baseline. Uh, based on that, you can certainly uh, work to target uh, achieving your uh, uh, targeted heart rate thresholds in moderate aerobic activity. Yeah. So, so when you say stressors, do you mean children? Children, uh, alarms, uh, you know, Houses. what time you start your day, <laughs> mortgage, <laughs> traffic, certainly. So I want to I want to have my without try, try my resting heart rate without coffee in traffic and carrying a bunch of other people's children around with me. That would, that would be spectacular all right in all seriousness in all seriousness though <laughs> now uh and there and there's lots written about this lots said about this etc but we'd like your opinion on it as well it's now again as i joked around earlier slow miles better than no miles and there's really you can you can achieve the same kind of benefits from running as you would from walking or vice well, versa even well so you know walking is um it you know it, it all depends on intensity and so uh, when, when, we're, when we're walking, uh, it can be a form of uh, uh, um, active rest uh, or it could be considered exercise, uh, aerobic uh, exercise, moderate intensity. So it's really the pace at which you walk and the intensity at which you walk. If you're able to hold a conversation, if you're able to sing a song, um, you know, along with uh, whatever you're listening to, then generally that's considered low uh, intensity exercise. When you are not able to sing uh, and able to talk, um, then that's considered what we uh, would call moderate intensity aerobic exercise. And when you mm -hmm. can neither sing nor talk when running, uh, when walking, that's considered uh, uh, high intensity aerobic exercise. So it's all about the pace at which mm -hmm. you go. Walking is a great way to recondition your uh, muscles and tendons, ligaments, your fascia. Uh, it's a great way to mm. help improve circulation that can eliminate waste products and all the buildup of all the lactate and yeah. uh, the excess ions and uh, hydrogen ions. And it can also provide micronutrients. So walking uh, is a great way for uh, engaging in active rest. Um, but it can certainly be a form of exercise and can help uh, allow you to determine if you are conditioned enough to progress uh, to um, running and uh, if you're able to do so safely. And what so, about, um, uh, oh, go ahead, Tim. I was going to ask another well, question I, about walking, I, I, but go I, ahead. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to get into some, some nutrition and, and diet conversation, but just a, another point about walking if you'll either affirm for me or say, no, that's not right. When, and I think you touched on it a little bit ago. 
when people want to start a running program, what I tell them is to think about time instead of distance. And I, I say, so from your front door, go 15 minutes out and then turn around and come back and you'll get your 30 minutes of exercise, which I think is an important threshold to, to get to, to, to get into that uh, fat burning uh, mode that, that we really want to be in. And, and what I tell them is to start with a, you know, a two minute walk and then a one minute run break um, and then walk two minutes and then eventually work on flipping that around to where it's two minutes run with a one minute walk and, and you can extend the run portion over time. And what you find is your 15 minutes will get you further in, in your neighborhood or on the greenway. And you're really focusing more on getting 30 minutes of quality exercise versus I just run three miles around my neighborhood and it used to take me a half hour and now it takes me 20 minutes because I'm in better shape. So can you can you comment on that and kind of kind of add and put some meat on the bone there? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, so, you know, uh, certainly starting out, uh, I would certainly encourage uh, the combination, the, the um, alteration or acceleration of your heart rate um, and the variance and bringing that heart rate back down and then going back into uh, an accelerated pace to bring your heart rate up, um, you know, achieving that heart rate variability is key in developing uh, adequate conditioning to be able to sustain longer runs. You know, um, when we are engaged in long-term, uh, consistent, moderate intensity aerobic exercise, our heart and lungs develop the appropriate conditioning. Our heart actually changes in its dimensions, its chamber sizes, its ability to pump blood to our bodies, our brain, our muscles, our tissues. And so, um, you know, allowing your heart, the pump of our body to um, work towards um, developing adequate condition so that it is able to slow down in terms of its heart rate and its ability to provide cardiac output, but then also speed up and provide um, uh, adequate blood flow for the increased demands of our bodies um, allows for us to be able to maintain uh, longer periods of exercise for um, uh, for ourselves in, in, in ways that um, we're able to not feel fatigued. Um, we are not um, feeling winded or short of breath, lightheaded or dizzy or having any manifestations of, um, you know, the physical deconditioning that we're trying to correct. Well, I've got some manifestations. All right, man, that's for sure. <laughs> but that's actually what I was going to ask about, Tim, was about, you know, minutes versus mileage. So clearly you're reading my notes. But <laughs> but since we're moving on from that one, and Tim did want to touch on some diet and things as well, uh, fasted run or walk, or should one fuel one's uh, walk or run. Absolutely. So, you know, fasted exercise is a, a, a fashionable thing to do. Um, you know, it's been thought that it can, it can allow our bodies to burn more fat. You know, mm -hmm. the idea is because um, a fasted run, you know, our carbohydrate stores are low. 
Uh, so you're you know more likely to burn uh, our energy storage, uh, which is in the form of glycogen and uh, and then fat. And so uh, you know they've done several different studies um, over the uh, past several years, which show definite benefits of uh, fasted running in terms of um, uh, achieving mm-hmm. weight loss. Um, you know the results have kind of been mixed, uh, but in general. Uh, people who fasted and exercised or exercised without eating mm-hmm. uh, have a tendency to consume less uh, in a 24-hour period than people who um, have uh, several small meals and don't fast prior to exercise. Uh, generally, they have less digestive issues, uh, you know, uh, runner's troughs, uh, <laughs> yeah. nausea, vomiting, mm-hmm. uh, intestinal cramps, um, and so, you know, it can certainly have uh, uh, several benefits uh, in, in those ways, but it can also uh, impede our training intensity. It can put you at risk of uh, injury in certain senses because uh, people who are not um, accustomed to running on an empty stomach might notice that they feel more tired or don't have uh, the same level of concentration or focus right um and then there's you know certain hormonal changes that occur as well you know especially in the mornings um we have a a stress hormone called cortisol that is produced from our adrenal glands and it's at its peak in the morning times uh right around 8 a.m and it controls our basic uh functions like blood sugar and our stress responses and higher levels of cortisol do predisposed to uh, protein breakdown of muscle cells, and that can lead to, you know, muscle loss and weakness. Um, And so, Hmm. you know, people who run uh, uh, in the morning after overnight fasting, which most of us do, unless we're, you know, eating in the middle of the night, um, (laughs) means that, you know, it could negatively affect your muscles. Uh, And so, uh, you know, overall, um, it, it may be ineffective for long-term weight maintenance, but it's a good way to get the burners, the furnace burning and uh, the energy stores uh, back to where, uh, you know, the balance that we are looking for, for, you know, the short-term gains. There you go, man. So I always, I always like to uh, think about the low hanging fruit when, when I think about like diet, um, don't take everything away from me because I might I might suffer. But if there were some common things that that as a as a whole we consume, what are those things that like? Here are three or four things that you could eliminate. Most people could eliminate from their diets that um, <clears throat> that would really help a lose weight, b lower cholesterol see lower blood sugar, uh, things like that, 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 that get us, you know, one thing gets us two steps closer. Um, like I'm thinking you're going to take away my McDonald's French fries, which, <laughs> um, 
Don't be surprised. Don't McDonald's is not a sponsor of this podcast. So. <laughs> Sorry. Um, or my Wendy's fries or my chicken. Wendy's is not a sponsor of this podcast. Yeah. So, you know, we I think when it, com- when, it, when it comes to dieting, uh, there's there's no uh, perfect formula. I think it's an individualized approach, certainly. And I think we need to be reflective uh, on, you know, what it is that we are consuming what it is that we are over consuming. Uh, we need to be uh, mindful consumers. Mm-hmm. And whether uh, that's being restrictive with certain foods, um, that can actually lead to maladaptive patterns in your uh, food intake and cause you to binge on the things that you really want. Um, when if you allow yourself little treats, but in controlled portions, um, it can allow for uh, maintenance of these dietary changes, which can allow for uh, sustaining weight loss. And so, you know, for someone who, you know, really enjoys French fries, eat your French fries, but, you know, go for that small, you know, pack of French fries, don't supersize it. And, um, you know, certainly make sure that you are uh, having, you know, a healthy and balanced diet um, that's composed of you know, uh, a variety of protein sources, certainly uh, more nutrient dense, uh, carbohydrates, mm-hmm. fats that are healthy. Um, you know, if you want to have a, a scoop of ice cream or French fries or potato chips or nighttime nachos, you know, <laughs> keep it to a minimum, but certainly allow yourself uh, room to, to live a little. <laughs> Oh, man. So I, I, I have to ask you, I, I see this clickbait ad on websites, and it says, if you want to lose weight, doctors say eliminate this one food, and there's always a picture of an avocado on there, and it's kind of like, avocado's got to be good for you. I know there's some fat in yeah. avocado, but it's a good fat, right? Good fat, have yeah. you ever clickbaited on that article and and? What what is the one food that doctors say we got to eliminate? <laughs> I, I, I I won't I quit. I'm not going to take the yeah, bait. I've, I've <laughs> seen this ad as well, and it's usually like next to another ad of some lady tying her shoe and looking at the sunrise, right. some, something <laughs> yeah. weird like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I I would say that uh, it, you know if there was one thing that I would certainly eliminate, I would strongly work to eliminate sweetened drinks in the in the Ooh, form of soda you if you're drinking soda that's a no-no you know that's the one yeah. beverage that i you know i really see no health benefit from now uh, you know i'm not talking about electrolyte replacement and gatorades and powerades when you're losing a lot of sweat and water and all that stuff through exercise but yeah. uh the sodas are no you know everything else is a go Tim was nervous for a second. You were going to say French fries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever the brand, just don't take away the French fries. Exactly. Listen, oh, man. I, there, there's two philosophies in running. You either run to eat or you eat to run. I'm in the, I'm in the former camp. I run to eat. I know I am not as disciplined of an eater, but I'm more disciplined with my, with my exercise. So, you know, when, when my kids look at me and say, hmm, Second helping dad, I'm like, well, yeah, I, you know, I burned an extra thousand calories this morning on a run. So, you know, I got, I got to fuel that. Um, 
Well, it, you know, there, there, to your point, there is, there is balance in, in everything that we do, whether it's portion control or what we eat or, um, you know, how, how, how we do the exercise. So um, the last question, you know, for, for people who are like, you know, I can, I could run if I, if, if you really forced me to, but man, if, if I got out three days a week, that'd be it. Like, what about those other three or four days? Certainly a rest day is in order and, and that's helpful for us to recover, but, you know, cross training, strength training, uh, other types of aerobic exercises. What do, what do you, what's your advice on that? Absolutely. So, uh, I would say that for most mm -hmm. people, um, you know, and going back to your previous comment, I think that, uh, you know, the, the saying that you can't outrun a bad diet is probably a little bit overemphasized and that, you know, for the most part, as long as you're not off the deep end in terms of your dietary habits, you can outrun most uh, uh, average diets. It gets um, harder as you get older, though. I it will does, admit it that. Does. Um, you just have to be more mindful of, of uh, eating uh, with portion control in mind. Uh, now, to your next point, uh, you know, should be should people be engaged in a variety of activities uh, to help in each of their, uh, um, you know, uh, forms of exercise? I, I would say most definitely, you know, strength training, uh, resistance training, uh, yoga, Pilates, cardio, kickboxing, any form of activity, whether it's a recreational sport or um, a form of home exercise or uh, a gym routine that mm -hmm. they uh, engage in will help them in their runs. It'll help them in their ability to prevent injuries of overuse. You know, when we're talking about strength training, uh, improving core strength, maximizing this hip stabilizers and making sure that they're strong um, will help reduce things like uh, IT band syndrome, patellofemoral syndrome, which is one of the most common causes of uh, knee pain among runners or Achilles tendonitis. It'll allow you to kind of carry over certain exercises that you're doing in the gym or at home to your runs so that you are maximizing your run efficiency, um, that you are having uh, kind of uh, biomechanics uh, in your run that are uh, helping and not hurting. And so I certainly encourage all my runners, whether they're recreational runners or competitive runners to engage in at least one to two days of strength training a week um, certainly taking that rest day is important. Um, and whether it's active rest with walking or yoga or passive rest, uh, through sitting on the couch or just stretching, um, you know, that would be something that would help, um, maximize our gains and prevent, uh, prevent, um, uh, excessive soreness, help us keep on schedule. Uh, so it is, uh, important to, uh, take the days that we are taking off uh, to refocus uh, our, our uh, use of our energies to other activities that can also, you know, give us some, some benefit. All good stuff, man. All good stuff. And Tim got the thumbs up on French fries. I can't imagine this podcast could go any better. So... <laughs>
Doctor, thank you so much for your time. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, the, the Randolph Road uh, Family Medicine Clinic, Novant Health. Yep, we're at 1918 Randolph Family Medicine, uh, Randolph Road, uh, Randolph Family Medicine in the Midtown Medical Plaza uh, in Uptown Charlotte. And uh, we do remote visits, virtual visits, in-person visits, um, and we would be happy to see anyone uh, who would be uh, uh, wanting to come see us. Thank you so right, much. We really appreciate your time. Thanks Great. for uh, coming back as a guest. We oh, look forward to you. having you again soon. Thank you for having me. Have a nice day, guys. Bye. Thanks, doctor. Bye. The Running Around Charlotte podcast is presented by the Novon Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Registration for the November 16th Novon Health Charlotte Marathon, Half Marathon, Relay, 5K, and One Mile events is available now at runcharlotte.com. Running Around Charlotte with your host, Tim Rhodes and Jeffrey Cooper, is produced in partnership with Well Run Media and Marketing. Listen for new episodes of Running Around Charlotte, released every week.